Welcome to the First Baptist Church Keller Sermon Podcast. Each week we make available sermons from Pastor Keith and our staff on our website, fbckeller.org. And on iTunes, search for FBC Keller Media in the iTunes Store. And now, here's our pastor, Keith Sanders. My Bible's open to Luke chapter 14. I invite your attention there, Luke chapter 14, beginning verse 12. We're in a series of sermons concerning commitments of church membership. And so far we've marked five commitments that every church member owes every other church member. First, we said you have to be here. You have to gather with the family regularly. Be here for worship, to fellowship with one another, and to exercise your spiritual gift for the good of the body and for the glory of God. The second commitment is that of prayer. We have the privilege and joy of coming with boldness into the Father's presence based upon our union with Jesus. Because the Father accepts the Son, He accepts us because we are forgiven by the Son and cleansed by the Son's blood. We pray for one another because we love one another. And love was the next commitment we studied together. And this kind of Christian love is not a love based on feelings of goodwill or attraction. It's an ongoing commitment to doing and saying that which is in the best interest of our brothers and sisters. And then we looked at the commitment of service. That is humbly putting the needs of others in the church ahead of our own. It includes faithfully using spiritual gifts for the building up the body until all of us come to a place of maturity. And then last Sunday morning we examined the Christian mandate to seek unity in the context of the local church, to seek the same things and to speak the same things doctrinally, to seek to mend relationships when they're damaged or broken. This morning, I want us to look outside of the local church for our sixth commitment of church membership. The title of today's message is Welcoming Others into the Family. Now, I know that I speak for many of you when I say that we are grateful for what God has done here at First Baptist and what He continues to do. I've often said that being a member of this church is one of the greatest blessings of my life. And one of the interesting things about this church, First Baptist Keller, is that most of us are not from here. That is, most of us have moved to this area relatively recently. In fact, Jack Gatewood showed me a statistic that of our nearly 2,400 members, nearly a third of you have joined in the last five or six years. And I pray and believe that ours is a church that welcomes new members into the family. In 2003, my wife Melissa and I made our vows to one another right here where I'm standing. She's the oldest of four Hoyer siblings and the first one to get married. When I first started going over to the Hoyer house for meals, it was a very quiet and reserved atmosphere. And in 2006, that began to change as Emma Kate was born, our first child, and the Hoyer's first grandchild. And the siblings started getting married and having children of their own. And in a period of nine years, we had nine grandchildren that came uh, into the world in that family. And so uh, dinners went from quiet and reserved to Barnum and Bailey. <laughs> and uh, we love it that way. Every year we just set another place at the table or hang another stocking on the fireplace mantle. But what a blessing it is to watch your family grow. It's an equal blessing to watch your church family grow and change. As our community has changed, we are blessed to have members from all over the world. I have a little list, of course, that came from Jack Gatewood. We have members now from 24 countries. 
uh, now that, that uh, are members of our church. What a blessing that is. But we constantly need to be reminded of what we already know. We must always be a welcoming church. Because a healthy church, to be healthy, must be a welcoming church. And one of the commitments you and I have made when we became members of this church is that we would welcome others in the future to our family. Jesus talked quite a bit about how all kinds of people are welcome at his table. God is not a respecter of persons. Anyone who repents, trusts in Christ, can be part of his family. And one of the clearest teachings of that subject is found in our text this morning. Let's read Luke chapter 14, verses 12 through 14. Scripture says, He also went on to say to the one who had invited him, When you give a luncheon or a dinner, do not invite your friends or your brothers or your relatives or rich neighbors. Otherwise, they may also invite you in return, and that will be your repayment. But when you give a reception, invite the poor, the crippled, the lame, the blind, and you will be blessed, since they do not have the means to repay you, for you will be repaid at the resurrection of the righteous. Now, those few verses don't make a lot of sense if you don't know the setting, the context. Jesus had been invited to a meal that was put on by one of the Pharisees. You remember the Pharisees were the religious leaders. They were uh, conservative, they believed the Bible was true, and yet to the law they had added all sorts of regulations until the people were burdened down by all of those um, regulations. And Jesus was ostensibly the guest of honor at this Pharisee's home, but truthfully it was a setup. It was a Sabbath day. And the Pharisees were always trying to catch Jesus in a sin or in a fault or some violation of the law. And so what they did is they placed an obviously ill man in the house before Jesus to see if he would heal him on the Sabbath. Because they thought that healing on the Sabbath would be a violation of the law. And Jesus, of course, saw through their ruse and turned the tables on them, asking them, Which one of you, if he had an ox that fell into a ditch, would not pull him out on the Sabbath? Well, the point was clear, that a man is of much greater worth than an animal. And so he went ahead and healed the man, and no one said a word. And he then proceeds to use this setting of a feast, of a banquet, to teach several lessons about the kingdom of God. The first lesson is found in verse 11. Look at it. He says, For everyone who exalts himself will be humbled, and he who humbles himself, himself will be exalted. Now, one of the great problems of the Pharisees is that they were full of pride. Not only were they full of pride, they loved to be honored. In fact, that's why they gave luncheons and banquets primarily, because it was a cultural tradition that if you were the guest of honor, then the next time you were to hold the feast and make the other person the guest of honor. And so it was a sort of mutual admiration society. And Jesus knew that, and he said, look, um, be humble. Don't expect to have the place of honor. Don't expect someone to, to make a big deal of you. That's not the way it's to be with God's people. He warned them about wanting to be noticed by men and desiring the seats of prestige. In fact, in Matthew 23, 6, he said it very plainly. Speaking of the Pharisees, he said, They love the place of honor at banquets and the chief seats in the synagogues and respectful greetings in the marketplace and being called rabbi by men. They love people to take notice of their piety, in other words. And after rebuking the Pharisees, Jesus now turns his attention to the host of the luncheon. And this is what he says. He went to say to the one who invited him, when you give a luncheon or a dinner, 
Do not invite your friends or your brothers or your relatives or rich neighbors. Otherwise, they may also invite you in return, and, and that would be the repayment. See, this is one of the great themes of the New Testament. Are you living for the here and now, or are you living for eternity? Now, the Bible teaches that we're to live for eternity, that we're not to lay up treasures on earth. We're not to invest so heavily in the here and now that it would break our heart if the Lord Jesus were to return today. But these Pharisees were living for the here and now. They, they love being noticed. And Jesus says, okay, if you take the place of honor here, you're going to have a place of humility in eternity. And so he says, it's much to be desired to have a place of honor in eternity and be humble here. And so uh, this was a battle he fought with them constantly. Which leads us to the lesson of these verses that I read, which is simply, don't limit your hospitality to those like you. Don't limit your hospitality to those like you. Do you guys know what the Babylon Bee is? The Babylon, I guess not, by the, the stunned silence. The, the Babylon Bee is a satirical Christian website. And don't look it up now. I know some of you have got your devices with you. Look it up when you get home. The Babylon Bee. The Babylon Bee is a satirical newspaper online. And it has headlines written by Christians about Christians to poke fun at Christians. And it's always funny and sometimes convicting. This was the headline last week on the Babylon Bee. Local Christian proud of himself for loving everyone who is exactly like him. Dateline, Los Angeles. Local believer Mike Crowder reported Thursday that he is proud of himself the way he has selflessly learned to love everyone who is exactly like him. The man has somehow been able to self-sacrificially empathize with and show love and support to people who are nearly identical to him in race, politics, socioeconomic background, and religion throughout his entire life, reports confirmed, end quote. That's a little too on the nose to be funny, isn't it? But it makes the point. Jesus says when you give a reception, invite the poor, the crippled, the lame, the blind, and you will be blessed. Now this, of course, is not an absolute prohibition for entertaining your friends and family. In fact, in the construction, in the original language, it says not so much your friends and family, but these. It's assumed that we're going to love and entertain and invite our friends and family and those like us. But he says also include those who are poor, those who have a physical infirmity, those that are not exactly like you. In the next section of Luke 14, which I did not read, Jesus tells a story about a master who threw a large banquet. And he invited his friends and family, and they all made excuses why they couldn't come. And so it made him angry. And so he sent the servants out to go to the back streets and the alleyways and invite those people. And when they all came, there was still room. And he said, go to the highways and the hedges. The old gospel song called The Highways and the Hedges. And the implication is clear. Jesus came to his own, the Jewish people, and his own received him not. For the most part, the Pharisees, religious leaders, did not recognize Jesus as the Messiah. And so he took the gospel to the poor, and then beyond that, to the Gentiles, to those who were outside of the nation of Israel. And so I take it that the church is to reflect that as well. The church is not a social club. It's not a fraternity where we invite or welcome into membership those who look like us and talk like us and have the same education and background as us. The church is a place for all kinds of believers, or it should be. 
It has been well noted that 11 a.m. on Sunday, which was traditionally the hour of worship in America, is the most segregated hour. Now, the person who originally said that meant racially, and he's right, but there are many other ways we segregate ourselves as Christians. One of those ways is by age. There are some churches who will just say, if you're over a certain age, you probably are not going to feel welcomed here. Most of them won't come out and say that, but their programming is designed for a very small demographic. And if you don't fit in that demographic, you're, you don't feel welcome. And it's not just for the young. It works both ways. Did you know there's a church here in DFW who has a very large sign out front of their church that says, we are a church for 55 and over. Can you imagine? I wondered if the ushers are checking licenses at the back door. Well, the Bible says that's not to be. We, we, we segregate ourselves culturally. We've got cowboy churches and biker churches and hippie churches. And that, but there are a few churches, including ours, who would describe themselves that way. We like to think we're welcoming. We like to say we welcome all kinds of people. But the question is, do we really? And that's our application. But let's take Jesus' examples very literally here. Look at verse 13. He says, but, that is, instead of inviting people just like you, but instead, when you give a reception, invite the poor, the crippled, the lame, the blind. Let's just walk through those examples. Would you agree with me that the New Testament indicates that the poor are to be treated with dignity in the church? Absolutely. Let's face facts, shall we? You and I live in an affluent place. North Tarrant County. Now, most of us would not describe ourselves as affluent, but globally speaking, and even regionally speaking, we do live in an affluent place. We dare not be known as the affluent church. Listen to what James says about the subject in his epistle, James 2.1. My brothers, do not hold your faith in our glorious Lord Jesus Christ with an attitude of personal favoritism. For if a man comes into your assembly with a gold ring and dressed in fine clothes, and there also comes a poor man in dirty clothes, and you pay special attention to the one who's wearing the fine clothes and say, you sit here in a good place, and you, poor man, stand over there or sit down by my feet. Have you not made distinctions among yourselves and become judges with evil motives? Listen, my beloved brethren, did not God choose the poor of this world to be rich in faith and heirs of the kingdom which he promised to those who love him. Now that's a rhetorical question. Of course he did. Jesus came to the poor and the outcast and, and the oppressed. In fact, the Apostle Paul, when he looked around the room at the church of Corinth and said, Brothers, not many of you are wise and noble. <laughs> There's not a lot of cultural elites here. And he says, God chose it so, so that man could not take glory so that he would get the glory. So how dare we, those of us who've been called by Christ out of spiritual poverty, look down or cause to feel unwelcome those who have less of this world's goods? Welcome the poor. Secondly, he says, welcome those with special needs. Those with special needs must be treated with dignity in the church. He says, the crippled, the lame, the blind, now, you know, in Jesus' day, those people with obvious physical infirmities were often treated as outcasts because 
The idea was if someone is born with an affliction, either mentally or physically, or, or they are injured later, God is punishing them for something they've done wrong. Jesus' disciples seemed to believe those things. Remember, they're walking down the street one day, and here's a man who had an obvious physical infirmity. And the disciples asked Jesus, Jesus, did this man sin or his parents that he was born this way? They assumed one of the two was true. And Jesus said, neither, but so that uh, the Father would be glorified. And I know it's a different time today. We, we don't um, go out of our way to be cruel to, to people who look a little different or, or have infirmities. But we need to do more than say you're welcome here. We, we must reach out to them. We must make our building accessible to those who have, have these special needs and treat them as one of us, because they are. They're our brothers and our sisters. Now let's take it uh, one step farther. It's not just those who are poor or have some special need that we are to, to reach out to. It's anyone who is in the minority. Listen to what Paul wrote to the Galatian church. So in Christ Jesus, you are all children of God through faith. And so what he's saying is everybody who's born again has been adopted into God's family. doesn't matter if you're rich or poor, black or white, Gentile or Jew. For all of you who were baptized into Christ have clothed yourself with Christ. There is neither Jew nor Gentile, neither slave nor free, neither male or female, for you are all one in Christ Jesus. And so what we like to do as humans, we like to chop one another up and sort one another and categorize one another. And so here's people 55 and over. Here's people 25 and younger. Here's people who have curly hair. Here's people that have straight hair. Here's people that have light skin. Here's people that have dark skin. Here's a female. Here, here's a male. What he's saying is that the overarching characteristic of someone who's been born again is not whether they're black or white, male or female. It's that they're a child of God. And that's how we are to view one another in the church. That's not to say we're naive or blind or um, you, you don't lose your cultural identity by becoming a member of our church. It's just that your first characteristic is that you're a brother or sister in Christ. I think one of the best things we have going at our church is our adoption and fostering ministry. And I've seen so many of our young families um, make sacrifices squeeze together a little tighter, set another plate at the table, do a, with a little less so that they can welcome more children into their home. And one of the great extra side benefits of that movement is that our church has begun to reflect what the community's like more and more. We have people of, of various races that are being welcomed into these homes and may, may God increase your tribe. The Lord hasn't called all of us to adopt or, or to foster, but whether you've been called to do that or not, you have been called to welcome everyone into this family of faith. Because after all, every one of us who's born again has been adopted. And we weren't adopted because we looked like Jesus or we acted like Jesus. We were adopted in spite of the fact that we didn't act like Jesus. In fact, Scripture says in that while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. And it's not just uh, those of different races. 
It's, it's women are to be treated with dignity in the church. So there's a, a lie out there that Jesus and Christianity denigrates women. You've heard it. And women dare not join the church because they're second class citizens. Don't you believe it for a minute? No one did more for women than Jesus Christ. And if you read the Gospels, you find that some of the heroes of the Gospels were women. Jesus told his 12 apostles, when they come for me, you're going to run and hide. And they did. And do you know who stood by Jesus all the way to his death? The women. And do you know who the first ones were at the tomb when it was time to, to see Jesus and who received the glorious announcement that he was alive? It was the women. So, so don't you believe that? Now, in marriage, as in the church, God has given men and women different roles. But it's not at all to say that women are less than, than men. Let me give you one other category. Single people are to be welcomed and shown dignity in the church. I was a 28-year-old single man when I joined this church. And uh, I had been pastoring a church for five years. And I'll tell you, it was a little bit difficult because I went from being the pastor to being in the singles class. And I know no one ever intended this, but in our context that values families and large families, sometimes our single friends feel like they're not treated with the same dignity and worth. I've heard them, they've told me that. And we've been guilty of it, and I have, and I'm asking you, let's do better. Let's make sure that our, our singles in our church know that they're just as much a part of this church as any of us who are married and have multiple children. Now, how does this play itself out at First Baptist Keller? Here's where the rubber hits the road. I think it begins in our Sunday school departments. We have 40 adult Sunday school departments in our church. Let me ask you, because I hope all of you belong to one. If uh, you don't, that's your first task today, is to join a Sunday school class. Let me ask you a question. Is your Sunday school class growing? Now, we know it's not our job to grow the church. I'm, I'm not a statistics guy. But our Sunday schools will not grow if we're not reaching out to the community. We say, well, they're all welcome here. There's a difference between propping the door open or leaving it unlocked and welcoming people. Welcoming is, is more than saying, well, y'all show up and, and you can sit. It, it's being proactive to your friends, your neighbors, your coworkers, the people you meet on the ball field, telling them about Jesus, telling them about church, and saying, hey, if you'll come Sunday, I'll meet you at the back door and you can sit by me. And those Sunday school departments that have taken that attitude are growing for the most part. Now, I encourage all of you, if you're in Sunday school class, just take a little assessment next week. Are we a welcoming class? Because if you do, it's risky. We know that because here's my second point. To, to do that, to be a truly welcoming church, we all have to be willing to be uncomfortable for the sake of the gospel. Because let me tell you, there's no one in this room who dislikes change more than me. I mean, I, I order the same thing every time I go to the restaurant. I get the same haircut and have for 45 years. Hasn't changed. I wear the same clothes every week. I don't like change. I have deep ruts. But sometimes we need to be willing to change for the sake of the gospel. That is, we need to be willing to get out of our comfort zone. You say, well, you know, if I welcome this group of people, you know, they're going to bring food to the potluck I don't like. 
or you know, they're, they're going to ask questions I'm uncomfortable with. There, there's a great Greek phrase that means in the English, so what? Really? Now, I'm not being ugly. I, I, it's not a great sacrifice to make people welcome, to invite people in the community to be a part of, of this family. And that's my third point. Just be willing to sacrifice. You may have to give up your favorite chair in the Sunday school class. You, you may have to come into the worship service one Sunday morning and someone is sitting in your pew. I had a baseball coach in college that told me one time, he said, Sanders, sometimes you just need to take a 90-mile-an-hour fastball for the team and take your base. And sometimes that's what we need to do. There's someone sitting in my seat. Lord bless them. There's another one just like it across the way. Sacrifice. And look, in the bigger scope of Christian history, it's not a huge sacrifice. There are people who have given their lives to welcome other people into the church. There are people today who are in prison, separated from their families because they dared to welcome someone else into their fellowship. Dear friends, I'm not preaching at you, I'm preaching at me. We are right at the cusp of launching a new initiative, our vision plan, as we become debt-free in the spring. And what I believe the Lord is calling us to is to reach out to this community with the gospel. Yes, we, we want to go to the faraway places. We're not going to stop going to Africa and India and Spain and Alaska and all those places. But to have the ability to do that, to have the right to do that, I'll go a step farther. We've got to keep this church strong. And to keep this church strong, we have to welcome the community as it is. Not the community as it was 20 years ago. We have to open our doors to the people who live here now. And welcome them, not as visitors or as guests, but as brothers and sisters in Christ. You see, what I've been saying this whole series is we've got to stop thinking of the church as a customer service industry or a restaurant. Where as long as the atmosphere is like I like it, as long as the food's to my taste, then I'll keep coming. We've got to start thinking of the church as a family and when the Lord chooses to add to the family, you don't say, I'm going to another family. You say, let's set another plate right here. Let's scooch in a little closer. Let's put another stocking on the mantle and welcome them. Let's pray. Father in heaven, Lord, uh, we thank you. We thank you for your word. Just like we thank you for medicine that tastes bad. It's not, not pleasant. But it's what we need. Father, you have chosen in your sovereignty to place this church at a specific place in time and history. You've placed it as a strategic place geographically. As the world is coming here. And Lord, on one hand, we're excited about sending missionaries all over the world, but uh, Lord, the mission field's right here. It's both and, it's not either or. And Father, the simplest thing that we can do, and perhaps the most important thing we can do is, is be welcoming, be willing 
to have people come who don't look like most of us or talk like most of us, maybe have different educational backgrounds or socioeconomic levels. Father, we know that when we do that, we're like Jesus. Because there's not a person that was saved that was on his level or like him. He was distinct and different and holy and sinless. And the thing that makes us all alike is Romans 3.23. We have all sinned and fall short of the glory of God. And Father, we know that Satan is a divider and he's a liar. And he would like to see the church segmented and broken apart so that it would be ineffective. But Father, we know that uh, it is your will that we all view ourselves as one people, chosen from the four corners of the earth, from every tribe and nation. And Lord, we know that one day at the marriage supper of the Lamb, that there will be those people from every corner of the world. And Lord, we get the pleasure of having a preview of that here. And Lord, as the community has changed and as it continues to change, Lord, we would pray that we would not ever have an attitude or an action that would cause anyone hesitation about being part of this family. Father, you have welcomed us, not because we deserved it, but because of your sovereignty, you chose to love us. Help us choose to love others, we pray like Jesus did. In his name we pray. Amen. Thank you again for listening to our broadcast. To learn more about First Baptist Church in Keller, Texas, or to hear more sermons by Pastor Keith and our staff, visit us online at fbckeller.org.